Today, we are continuing our new message series called Living in the Spirit. And in this series, we're talking about the importance of the Holy Spirit in, our, in the life of every believer. The Holy Spirit is the person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that lives and indwells each and every believer. But all too often, uh, the Holy Spirit is thought to have little importance or, or to be too controversial. And yet the Holy Spirit is so important. He's the one that convicts people of sin. He's the one that regenerates our hearts and makes us born again. He's the one who lives inside of us. He's the only one who's operating on this earth. The Father and the Son are in heaven right now. The Holy Spirit is working on this earth. And so I've just completed reading a, a large book, about a thousand pages, called God's Empowering Presence. It's all about the subject of the Holy Spirit in the writings of Paul. I don't really recommend it uh, for you guys, but um, it, was, it was good for me to read it. And it talked about how the experienced reality of the Spirit is behind just about everything that Paul wrote. Uh, the Holy Spirit was not just a, a thought for Paul in the early church. The Holy Spirit was something that they experienced in their services, they experienced in their lives each and every day. And that's why I took a thousand pages to describe it, because it's behind every page of Paul's letter is the, is the Holy Spirit. And yet for many believers today, the Holy Spirit is, is simply words on a page. It's like, oh yeah, I, I know the Holy Spirit's in the Bible, but... I really don't know much about him. I, I don't know how to experience him. I don't really experience his reality in my life. I don't experience his power in my days. And so today we're going to talk more about how we can experience the reality of the Holy Spirit's power in our lives. Uh, just like Paul did, just like the New Testament church did. And so today we're going to talk about the baptism in the Spirit. Now, there are three popular views of spirit baptism today, but only one of them is biblical. And uh, we're going to talk about the first two that aren't biblical, and finally the third that is what the Bible teaches. The first view is that spirit baptism is synonymous with conversion. Uh, this is the view held by most denominational churches. In other words, this view is if you're saved, you're spirit baptized. Uh, we don't really know, quite know what it means, but if you're saved, you've got it. Uh, your spirit's inside of you, your spirit baptized. That's that view. But that is not what the Bible teaches at all. Now, one of the reasons that this view is popular is that, as I've said, the writings of Paul assume two things about every believer. The writings of Paul assume that every believer is baptized in water. I mean, the, the concept of a believer not being baptized in water after they were saved just didn't exist. I mean, if you were saved, they found some water and you were baptized. That's how it was. That's how we see it in the book of Acts. So he assumes that every believer is water baptized. Secondly, he assumes that every believer is baptized in the Holy Spirit, is spirit baptized. Now, water baptism is not automatic, is it? Just because you accept Jesus as your Savior doesn't mean you're automatically immersed in the nearest body of water. You have to do something about it. You have to be obedient. You have to go through that. And spirit baptism is not automatic either. And so the reason that these baptisms are assumed in Paul's writings is because both Jesus 
and the apostles in the book of Acts taught that every believer needed to be water baptized and spirit baptized. And we see this all the way through the book of Acts. The second view is that, the spirit, is that spirit baptism is the highest goal in the Christian life. It's something you seek after. It's something that you, you have to strive for. And it may take you years and years to be spirit baptized. But when you're baptized in the spirit, you have arrived. Uh, this is the pinnacle of the Christian life is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this view is more biblical than the first view because, because it views spirit baptism as a separate experience from conversion, which it is. But as we'll see, spirit baptism is not the ultimate goal. Spirit baptism is simply is simply an initiation uh, of our spiritual walks. And so the third view, the biblical view, is that spirit baptism is part of the entrance into the full Christian life for every believer. Peter teaches this as he preaches on the day of Pentecost. There are three aspects of entrance into the full Christian life for every believer, both in the New Testament and for today. Acts 2.38, and I encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It has these scriptures written out. We're going to go through a number of scriptures today. It also has study questions on the back. And, uh, if your life group is going through these study questions, that'd be great. We encourage everybody to be in a life group. If they're not, I encourage you to go through those questions on your own. And um, to be honest, I'm making the questions a little harder. Uh, as we go along. So they're not so easy. So if you don't know the answer to a question, uh, ask somebody else. Or you can even send me an email and I will help you uh, with, with the answers. So most of the answers you can get from the message, but some of them you'll have to look up some additional scriptures to, to understand the question. So Acts 2.38 says, Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Spirit. And so here we see the three initiation steps for basically the Christian life. First of all, obviously, you need to be saved. You need to repent and have faith in Jesus Christ. That's the first step. Uh, the second step, and actually the second and third don't necessarily have to be in order. You have to be saved first before the next two. That should be obvious, but it's not, because many people are baptized as infants, and uh, no, baptism comes after you're saved, uh, biblically. So, second step, water baptism in a typical sequence. Uh, third step is spirit baptism, here referred to as receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, let's see how this was experienced with Jesus' disciples. But Jesus said in John fourteen seventeen. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. So the two important words here are with and in. This was before, Jesus said these words before he rose from the dead. And so he was speaking to his disciples and he was saying, the Holy Spirit now is living with you. He's, he's with you. The Holy Spirit was with believers in the Old Testament. 
But after Jesus rose from the dead, the Holy Spirit could live inside believers. He was with them when Jesus was speaking in John 14. But after he rose from the dead, the Spirit would be inside of them in a new way that was only possible after Jesus rose from the dead. After Jesus rose from the dead, he met with his disciples. It's recorded in John 20, verse 22. And it says, And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So he had all his disciples gathered. This was after he rose from the dead. He appeared to them and he breathed on them, just as the Lord God in the Garden of Eden breathed the breath of life into the first Adam. Here Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit then began to live inside of the disciples. They were born again at that point. But they had not yet received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They had not yet received the gift of the Father, the promise of the Father, for Jesus had not yet ascended to the Father. He'd risen from the dead, he had not yet ascended. Jesus said in Luke 24, 49, again, this is uh, at the point where Jesus had risen from the dead, he had not yet ascended to the Father. He said, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. Another way of referring to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And so at this point, the disciples were born again. The Spirit was living inside of them, and yet they had not yet received Spirit baptism because Jesus had not ascended to the Father. Because he had to ascend to the Father before he could pour out the Holy Spirit. And so there was something they had to wait for. There was something they had to ask for, this promise of the Father, uh, this baptism in the Spirit. So let's lo look a little more closely at spirit baptism. Why, why do we need to receive spirit baptism as believers? What is it? Well, spirit baptism is when Jesus baptizes or immerses you in the Holy Spirit. Now, a good picture to think about it is baptism, uh, water baptism. What happens in water baptism? You are immersed into water. That's this, the um, scriptural dynamic. That's what the word baptism in the Greek means. It means to immerse. It doesn't mean sprinkle or anything else. It means to immerse. Underneath the water, you're completely submerged. And then, of course, you come back out in baptism. But in spirit baptism, Jesus is the one who baptizes or immerses the believer in the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit fills each and every part of you. John the Baptist, whoops, John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water, but Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is the one who baptizes the believer in the Holy Spirit. Now this spirit baptism, as I've said, was first available after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. So again, why should we receive spirit baptism? Well, Jesus commanded it. Uh, Acts 2, 1, verse 4 and 5. On one occasion, while he, that's Jesus, was eating with them, that's his disciples, he gave them this command. Underline the word command. Not a suggestion, not an option. It was a command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So here again we see that the gift my Father promised is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And the disciples were commanded to wait. 
You know, don't pass go. Don't do anything. Don't start trying to minister to people. You're not ready. You don't have what it takes. Don't leave Jerusalem until you receive this gift the Father promised. This is a gift. This is something I want to give you. This is something the Father wants to give you. But you need to wait until it is poured out. And so receiving spirit baptism was not optional. It was something commanded by Jesus to these 120 disciples at that time. And really for all disciples down through history as well. So in his message on the day of Pentecost, Paul makes it clear, I mean, Peter makes it clear that spirit baptism is for believers of all time. We already read Acts 2.38, where he gives the three uh, things that each believer must do. First of all, be saved. Secondly, receive water baptism. Thirdly, receive spirit baptism. The next verse, Acts 2.39, Paul says, The promise, which is the gift of the Holy Spirit, is for you, speaking to the people gathered on the day of Pentecost, and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Does that leave anyone accepted? No, it's everybody. The, the disciples, their children, their children's children, and for everybody that God calls, everybody that becomes a believer, this promise is for. Uh, and so these are the basic elements of equipping that God provides at the beginning of the Christian life. Jesus goes on to say to his disciples that spirit baptism uh, not only is commanded, but it gives power to witness. Jesus says in Acts 1.8, speaking to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so, throughout the Old and New Testament, the Holy Spirit is linked with power. He's linked with the power of God, the ability to do things for God, the ability to do what God has commanded you is linked to the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus here is saying that when believers are baptized in the Spirit, they'll receive power from God to carry out their mission in life. Now, this power is not an impersonal force. Uh, this power is the power of the Spirit, the Spirit who lives inside of you, who fills you, who baptizes you. And Jesus here says that this power will enable you to be his witnesses, ultimately to the ends of the earth. The power of the Spirit gives, gives us the ability to witness. It makes us bold. We see that and the apostles' lives in the book of Acts, going from people who are hiding to people who are boldly witnessing for Jesus no matter the cost. The power of the Spirit gives us the right words to say. The power of the Spirit arranges divine appointments in which God has prepared the person we're going to be talking to by working in their heart before we even speak to them or meet them. It's all done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we, as I was preparing this message, I thought, wow, I mean, I could have preached a whole sermon series on this one topic. And so, maybe someday we will. But as you go through the book of Acts, we see example after example of believers in different situations being 
believing, being water baptized, and being spirit baptized. These three things are seen over and over again in the book of Acts. And if it hasn't happened with some believers, then the apostles made sure that it happened. Acts 19 is one of these examples. Paul met some disciples of Jesus. He asked them the question. Acts 19, verse 2, we don't have it on here. You can look it up. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, why would Paul ask such a question? Well, obviously, he was aware something was missing in their life. Secondly, there was a distinct possibility you could believe and not have received the Holy Spirit. Now, what was he talking about? What well, was possible to believe and not receive spirit baptism? The Spirit was indwelling them, but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit in the sense of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Turns out these disciples had not, they'd been saved, but they hadn't heard about the Holy Spirit. In fact, they hadn't even been water baptized. So they're missing two out of the three steps. So what did Paul do? He baptized them in water. He laid his hands on them. And they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they spoke in tongues. And so in this case, and in all examples of spirit baptism in the Bible, the evidence of spirit baptism was that the believers immediately spoke in tongues. What does that mean? It means speaking in a language that you have never learned. It's a, a prayer language to God. We're going to talk a lot more about that next Sunday. So let's look at what the Bible says about how to receive spirit baptism. If, you, if God has a gift for you, and he says it's an important gift, and he commands you to receive it, what, what should we do? Well, obviously, if we're a believer, we need to uh, prepare to receive it. Prepare by, I said, repentant obedience. Acts 5.32, Apostle Peter says, We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. So these are the words of the Apostle Peter when he's facing persecution. And he says the gift of the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey God. Now this is not speaking of salvation. The Spirit begins to indwell you when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But Peter is speaking of the gift of the Spirit, which was giving him boldness at that very minute by being able to speak to his persecutors uh, and witness for Jesus. And so spirit baptism is given to those who have a heart to obey God, those who have a heart to receive the gift that he has for them. You can't uh, really expect to receive spirit baptism if you're walking in unrepentant sin. In fact, really, no believer should be walking in unrepentant sin, actually, uh, the mark of a believer is that if you sin, if you fall into sin, you repent and you get out of it. You don't walk in willful sin uh, over and over again. And obviously, if you are, you're going to have trouble receiving spirit baptism. That's not an obedient heart. Now, God doesn't expect perfection, but he does require repentance. If you sin, you repent and you turn away from your sin. And so we prepare to receive spirit baptism by repenting of any known sin walking in obedience to the Lord. And then we ask in faith. Uh, Jesus taught us in Luke eleven thirteen. He said, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, 
how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? These are the words of Jesus. Now, if spirit baptism was synonymous with conversion, as most churches teach, this doesn't make any sense, does it? Why would you have to ask for the Holy Spirit if you're automatically saved when you believe in Jesus? Jesus is obviously talking about something else. Spirit baptism is a separate experience from salvation, which you need to ask for. You need to ask in faith, as with any other prayer, believing that when you ask Jesus, that he's going to give you the gift that you ask for, and uh, he's going to baptize you in the Spirit. Now, where do you get the faith to believe in the reality of spirit baptism? One of the best ways is to simply read through the various accounts of people being baptized in the Spirit in the book of Acts. I've listed them as your, for your action items. It's at the uh, end of your outline there. Different chapters, Acts 1 and chapters 1 and 2, chapters 8, chapters 10 through 11, chapter 19. And I've also uh, posted on the realm for everyone in a life group or a Sunday growth class, a detailed scriptural study called Baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's, it's Biblical Foundations. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's Biblical Foundations. So if you go into your life group or the Sunday uh, growth class group, if you're in either of those, you'll see a resource and you can download that study. We're going to talk about it in a minute. It's a study that really convinced me of the reality of the baptism of the Holy Spirit a number of years ago. Uh, it's a detailed study. It's about 50 pages long, uh, full of scriptural references, but it really answers every question you might possibly have about it uh, with, the biblical, with the biblical evidence. And of course, in order to see it, you'll need to respond to your realm invite. Uh, if you're not in one of those groups, I really encourage everybody to be in one of the groups, uh, one of the life groups, um, and so you can see that as well. And so the steps we, we talked about in preparing to receive spirit baptism is uh, repentance, asking in faith, and number three, simply begin to speak in tongues by faith. The day of Pentecost, remember Jesus told them to wait. They were all waiting. They were seeking God. They were praying for a number of days. And finally in Acts 2.4, it says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, speaking of baptism of the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And we're going to study, as I said, tongues in more detail in, uh, next week, but let's summarize today. And in order to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you must yield your tongue to the Spirit's control. And um, it's a mysterious interaction between a human being, a believer, and the Holy Spirit, in which the Holy Spirit gives you words to speak, but you have to speak them out. And you speak in a language you've never learned. The Spirit helps you form those words. And Jesus tells us that when, or the Bible tells us, that when you speak in tongues, the Holy Spirit is praying through you to God. It's a prayer language. People often call it a prayer language. The Holy Spirit is praying through you a prayer to God. In Acts 2, it says the people praying in tongues were declaring the wonders of God. They were praising God. They were worshiping God as they spoke in tongues. 
And as I said before, as you read through the accounts of spirit baptism in Acts, you'll see that one of the common, uh, that the one common evidence of spirit baptism is speaking in tongues. Now, let, you, let me tell you my story. And this is really abbreviated form, but it's all the time we have this, this morning. I was saved. Uh, my mother led me to the Lord at the age of four. I still remember it. Uh, it's probably not normal, but you can, you can really comprehend the simplicity of the gospel at a very early age. Um, I was baptized in water at age nine. And uh, I went to college. I went to a secular college, but there I, was, I led a, a Bible study group uh, in college. And one of the other leaders in the group went on a vacation and went to uh, a church on vacation. And when she was in church on vacation, something happened to her, and she came back to the Bible study group. I mean, she was a believer. Uh, we led the group together. She was a, a changed person. I mean, it just, everybody knew something happened to this girl. And uh, it wasn't like she was a bad person before or anything, but she was just, she was full of joy. Um, she, she was on fire for God. She understood God's word more clearly. I mean, she just, something had happened to her. She began to prophesy in the group. She told us she had a prayer language, she spoke in tongues, that she'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit at this other church. Well, <clears throat> I was a Baptist preacher's son. Nobody knows what that means, do they? Okay. Uh, <clears throat> as I said, this is not, you know, what God's Word teaches is not believed in really any of the denominational groups except the Assemblies of God. So, I was taught, of course, really didn't even talk about spirit baptism, really. But I thought, you know, you, if you're saved, you must be baptized in the Holy Spirit, because it says a little bit about it in the Bible, so, I'm, you know, I must have it. And uh, I had kind of heard under the current that if you spoke in tongues, that really was of the devil. You know, with a good Baptist, you, we just don't do that kind of stuff. It it's, must not be of God, because... We know everything there is to know about God, of course, as good Baptists. And, um, and so, you know, I kind of observed this girl's life and said, you know, is this of the devil? You know, is she being deceived? And I thought, no, she's not. I mean, everything that was happening was good. I mean, there was nothing crazy or wild or wacky. I mean, everything that was happening was good. And it was benefiting the Bible study group. And so... I said, well, you know, I really need, she said, well, just, you know, read the Bible and see what it has to say. And so I decided to do a serious study of what the Bible taught about the Holy Spirit and spirit baptism, which I'd never done before. I mean, it's not something Baptists did. And so I got a, got a hold of this, um, this small booklet, about 50 pages long, which is the one, uh, you know, after all these years, it's still the one I think that goes into the best detail uh, about spirit baptism. And I, I studied it cover to cover. I mean, it's got pages of references. I looked every single one up. And I read it. I prayed. I, I sought God. And uh, as I said, this is the resource I posted for you uh, on the realm. And I became convinced that 
Spirit baptism was real. It had happened in the past. And it was for believers of every age. It was the, what the Bible taught. And it was something that God wanted for me. And so one day, I called the members of the Bible study group and I said, I'm going to ask God to baptize me in the Holy Spirit today. You know, I, I, I wasn't going to ask until I really believed. And this is a mistake some people make. They go like, well, you know, if God wants me to have it, then he's going to give it to me. I'm not really sure about it, but, uh, you know, God, if you want me to have it, yeah, I guess it's okay. You're never going to receive like that. Uh, but I became convinced it was for me. Uh, God's word taught it. I asked everybody to pray for me. I fasted, and I was alone in my room. And I prayed, and I said, God, I've read your word. I believe it's true. I'm asking you now to baptize me in the Holy Spirit, just as happened in the book of Acts. And after I prayed, I, I just, you know, how do you describe experiences? Um, it wasn't like I received it by faith. No, I felt something happen. I felt the Holy Spirit come upon me, fill me up, and something just well up inside of me, and it just came out of my mouth as words and sounds as I began to speak in tongues. And I began to weep, uh, which, if you know me, I'm not given to weeping. How many people have seen me weep? Uh, I'm not given to weeping. I began to weep. I began to cry. And... Uh, it was, a, it was quite an experience. Now, it's not necessarily exactly like that for everybody, uh, but certainly speaking in tongues is the evidence that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And since then, I've seen many other uh, people uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit, some by themselves, uh, probably many others by people praying for them who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and laying their hands on them. And so uh, both ways are ways that people receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna, now we're going to talk about some of the benefits of spirit baptism, and these are some of the things that I experienced in my life. There's many more than these, uh, but we're going to look at some of the ones uh, that happened with me and that I believe are important. Uh, we've already mentioned the power to witness, uh, the power to talk about God and His Word to other people, uh, both believers and unbelievers. God gives you a boldness. Uh, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit that you don't have before. But let's look at three more benefits. Uh, the first benefit here is that the Spirit will speak to you. Jesus said in John 16, 13, but when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. And so when you're Spirit baptized, you will hear God speak to you through His Spirit much more clearly and more often uh, than you did before. I'm not saying people that aren't Spirit baptized can't hear God speak, but I heard God speak much, much more clearly after I was Spirit baptized than before. And many people struggle to hear God speak to them. I talk to believers and they just like, I don't hear anything. Well, you hear voices? It's like, no, I don't hear audible voices, but I know when God is speaking to me. I mean, it's so clear many times I can write down exactly what he's saying. And that really began when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. When you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to hear the voice of the Spirit. And God speaking to you is the voice of the Holy Spirit. You're going to hear it much, much more clearly. Secondly, the Spirit will pray through you. Romans 8, 26 
says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless grounds. But he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And so I believe in um, this thousand-page volume by New Testament expert Gordon Fee uh, agrees. This passage is primarily talking about speaking in tongues. Here referred to as wordless grounds, or he translates it inarticulate grounds. Sounds for which you don't know what they mean, uh, but the Spirit knows what he's expressing through you. And so when you pray in tongues... um, This is a really incredible passage as God's been unpacking uh, just really in the last year. The Spirit is praying through you a perfect prayer. That's what it says. He's praying in accordance with God's will. He's praying through you a perfect prayer that's in keeping with the very will of God. And when you pray a prayer that's in perfect keeping to the will of God, that is a prayer that God will always answer. And so there's tremendous power in this kind of prayer. And so what Paul is saying is every prayer prayed in tongues will be answered by God. We're going to talking more about that next week. That is, that is very profound. The, the Spirit will give spiritual gifts to you, third benefit. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And again, we're going to be Uh, taking a whole uh, message in this series talking about the gifts of the Spirit. But in this passage in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is giving instructions about the proper use of spiritual gifts in the church. And in this verse, he's saying that the Spirit gives, uh, gives to each person in the church a spiritual gift or manifestation of the Spirit for building up the church, for the common good of the whole church. And the chapter goes on to list uh, gifts such as prophecy, healing, um, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and so on. And these spiritual gifts are released through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is the gateway through which spiritual gifts begin to be released in your life. Without that, um, these types of supernatural gifts are not released or at very low, low levels. And so these spiritual gifts are the power or the ability of the Spirit in your life to do supernatural things, like pray for someone and actually see them healed. I mean, I can't do that. You know, what do words and putting hands on somebody do? It's only a supernatural gift that something happens when you do that. Now, not everyone has the same gifts. And so one person could pray for somebody, and nothing happens because they don't have to gift. The next person prays for you and you're immediately healed because that person has a gift. We, we really don't understand it and operate in that, so we need to find the people with the gifts uh, so we get the right people praying for the people with the right issues. And so you need to be spirit-baptized to operate in these gifts. And so for most people, the key to being spirit-baptized is to have a humble, teachable spirit. Uh, unfortunately, many people have grown up or gone to churches that either never spoke of spirit baptism or spoke against it. And so in order to receive what God has for you, you have to admit that what you've learned before was not biblical. That's what I had to do. That was not the way I was raised. That was not the way I was brought up. I had to admit it was wrong. 
that God's word had something new for me. So you've got to humble yourself and say, God, there's more. I want more of your spirit in my life. I want your power in my life. I'm not content with my spiritual walk. And I'm going to move forward until I receive what you have for me. Need a drink of water here. So in conclusion, if you haven't been baptized in the Spirit, if you have been, we're going to have a lot more to say to you too because many people have been baptized in the Spirit in this church, but we're not walking in the fullness of it. There's much more to it than we've really, we've, uh, we've really experienced. We've kind of come in the first step, but there's a whole lot more. But if you haven't been baptized in the Spirit, start by studying God's Word this week. Go over the notes uh, of the message. Download that resource on the, on the uh, realm. There's a shorter pamphlet on the baptism of the Holy Spirit over there. And uh, if you've got questions, keep coming. More uh, questions will be answered as we go through this series. Uh, shoot me an email. If you have a specific question, prepare your heart by repentance, obedience, ask in faith. And then you can pray by yourself or, or keep studying until you're convinced of the reality of this. Uh, don't begin, you can begin asking God to prepare your heart, but don't ask God until you're sure, until you have the faith uh, to believe for it. And when you do, uh, you can pray by yourself, you can come forward for prayer, you can ask for prayer in the life group, ask in faith, and receive the promise of the Father, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Spirit, and your life will never be the same. Now, of course, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have to be a believer. You need to have admitted um, that you sinned, believed, and committed your life to Him. So I'd like us to bow our heads right now. And if you're not sure you're a believer this morning, pray along with me. Say, Father, today I admit I've sinned. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. That my sins might be forgiven, I commit my life to you. Come into my life. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. We, Father, today, we thank you for the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit that you began to pour out 2,000 years ago. Forgive us, God, for being content with our lives that do not reflect your power. Forgive us for listening to tradition rather than your word and your spirit. Help us to humble ourselves individually and as a church and admit that we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our church to a much greater degree than we've yet experienced it, God. Many of us need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time. And others, God, have been baptized in the Holy Spirit in the past, but we've let the fire of the Spirit die down. We need to stir up the flame again. Father, our, our country is in a desperate situation and we need a move of your spirit, God. We pray that you would allow us to be part of your move right here in St. Louis. Give each person the revelation that they need by your spirit, that you would draw them closer to you and to the fullness of your spirit in each and every life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.